From Real Ghost Stories Online.com, I am Tony Bruski, and welcome to another episode of our program, delightfully titled Real Ghost Stories Online. And I'd like to welcome everyone back, no matter where you may be listening to us. We've expanded ourselves back out to the world of iTunes and Stitcher and Tune Me In and uh, Blackberry, whatever you call your system of getting podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. I want to thank you so much for joining us wherever it may be. We are back on the podcast downloading option. So uh, be sure to subscribe to us. And uh, hey, I would really, really, really appreciate is a little bit of love. Some of those uh, five-star reviews, if you so feel uh, feel the urge to say, hey, I like this show, five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or something like that, that would really go a long way. And I'll have some incentives here very soon as well for doing that. So, uh, uh, you know, bonus shows, things of that nature. Please do uh, give us a little bit of love out there, though, and give us some comments, give us some star reviews, give us some love so we can continue to grow the show and allow more people to find us, and that in turn equals more ghost stories, better episodes, and uh, and more frequent episodes. Trying to put the show out there at least twice a week right now as we get caught up on the iTunes and Stitcher world of podcasting. We're releasing literally one episode a day uh, of our backlog of shows uh, so uh, everyone can get caught up over there. I'm estimating by early June, mid-June-ish, uh, all of the current episodes will be up on iTunes and Stitcher and the podcasting world. And by the time you are hearing this message, uh, you should be pretty well up to date uh, on the uh, on the iTunes if that's where you're listening to us at. Uh, and like I said, we're trying to do the show about twice a week. Uh, hopefully more as we, as we continue to grow the show. Today's show, we have a lot of ghost story letters, a bunch of short ghost story letters to get through. And if you have a real ghost story, we would love to hear it. You can send it to us. Go through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and write us in your letter. Or you can give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, two-minute limit there to tell us your ghost story. We may play it back. Our toll-free line to do that is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story because that's what we are all about here at real ghost stories online let's get to our first letter of the show today this is uh, coming to us from nikki nikki writes in i've had strange experiences frequently throughout my life many unexplained terrifying and intriguing to me some things you can't put into words as if language limits our ability to express something you have to live it Feel it, breathe it yourself to know what it's like. I'm on a path today much different than the one I was traveling on not long ago. I had invited many negative things into my life, if you believe in the law of attraction. Fear is my constant companion. Depression, emotional instability, and self-pity were frequent. At night I would stay awake in my basement painting. I love art as an outlet. One night, about four in the morning, I was painting furiously. I felt like a trance would come over me. That's when the shadows started. You question your sanity, blame the alcohol, lack of sleep, nightmares from childhood, hysterical thinking. Asleep at night, it would come, darker than dark. 
gripping hands around your chest, leathery fingers, long, charred nails, clawing, and I'd wake up in my dreams, breathing, feeling, pure terror. Some nights had been calm where I'd carried such peace in my heart, and still the shadows came. Today, through therapy and exploring my spirituality, I found resolution to patience, fear, and depression. Still remarkable things happen. I wake up with a sense of peace in my heart. This and also the things I attract into my life are much different. Love and peace I didn't know could exist. Sometimes we question our sanity if these things are within our own minds. Maybe we do know our feelings are real and help mold our perception of reality. What frequency are you tuned into? Nikki asks. Thank you for the letter and the short, sto- the short story about your past. <clears throat> it's an interesting thought um, when uh, when you have dark thoughts are plagued by things such as depression. It's an it's an interesting concept to wonder what else is at play there. Obviously, there is clinical things behind a lot of. A lot of that, where it is a disease, that's, that's without a doubt, and, and no one is, at least on this show in any way, shape, or form, saying, oh, it's a demon in you, or anything like that. But you have to wonder, when, when you have negative thoughts, when you're, when you're surrounding yourself in negativity, does that breed, does that invite in other other things into your world that can wreak havoc with what might be going on inside of you chemically. It's an interesting thought. Our next letter comes into us from Shannon, and Shannon wrote into our website at Real Ghost Stories Online, where you can as well. Let's go to realghoststoriesonline.com. Click the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Shannon writes, First, I'd like to say I absolutely love your show. Thank you, Shannon. I watch and listen on YouTube as much as I can. My name is Shannon Fleming, and I just wanted to share my story. I work in the medical examiner's office building in Philadelphia. I take my lunch almost the same time every day at 1 p.m. On this particular day, nothing special was going on, so I signed up. I walked down the stairway and noticed this gentleman coming up the steps while I was walking down. He had this lost stare on his face, no emotion and no footsteps, which I noticed when I left the building. I didn't think anything of it. Maybe about a week later, same time, leaving for lunch, same stairway. I was walking down the steps. He was coming up. He seemed so lost. I got this sad feeling, but creepy at the same time. So since this was the second time I'd seen him, I asked the personnel at the front desk who he was. I was thinking a new hire? He was dressed as a technician in a technician uniform, holding a bag of personal belongings. I described him to the front desk personnel, and the gentleman looked at me with his hands over his mouth. He said, You're describing the worker that hung himself downstairs in the bathroom. This is one story that scared me. Scared me half to death. But I'd still go on working here, and I've gotten used to it. I could go on and on and on about the creepy things that happen here. One thing's for certain. This is the right place for it to happen. The morgue. LOL. 
Thank you for that letter and that story, Shannon. I can't imagine the moment you get that response from a coworker. Oh yeah, that's the guy who killed himself in the basement. And it, it begs a question too, when you're talking about places that uh, are infested with paranormal activity or that uh, spirits would conjugate around, you, you have to wonder if a morgue is a place, at least I wonder if a morgue is a place, a logical place for that to be happening. And I say that because you're already dead when you get there. It's it's not as if the traumatic event or even a place that you frequented in life, unless you work there, of course, which that man did, um, you know, is you know a place to haunt. I mean, I, I guess you go back to, okay, the guy did work there, so that would be a place that he frequented. But other than that, other than that case right there, is a morgue really a place that you would expect to have a lot of paranormal activity because no one ever really goes there unless you work there or have to identify a body there, you know? Same with cemeteries. I, I often wonder about that. I mean, there are certainly a lot of stories of haunted cemeteries, but I, I have to wonder about that because, again, not a place a whole lot of people normally frequent unless you're like me, who likes to wander around them and take pictures. You know, I could see myself haunting a cemetery someday because I enjoyed it. But again, if you get to choose where you go, I would think most people would choose where you spent a lot of time or uh, maybe a different workplace or different uh, area that you enjoyed in life, if you have the option. Not necessarily the morgue or the cemetery. In most cases. Just some thoughts. Our next letter comes to us from my... My writes in at realghoststoriesonline.com. My ghost story started back in 2006, and my parents had decided to buy a house outside a small town in Brom, in the state of Minnesota. This house was literally in the middle of nowhere, and is surrounded by farmlands. Our closest neighbor was about a mile away. This house has seven bedrooms, two bathrooms. It was a perfect house for a family of ten. It was the biggest house I ever lived in. This house was always so eerie, and the lights would always flicker, even after we had someone look at them. But that was just how old houses are, right? So I never really let it bother me at all. It wasn't until I had my first experience that I finally came to term that the house could be haunted. It was during spring break when I had my first experience in that house. My big sister and me share a room downstairs. My big brother, the room right around the corner to ours. Being the big brother he is, he always hogs the biggest TV in the room. So we began to go into this room to watch TV. So one day, I really wanted to watch a scary movie. It starred Kristen Bell called Pulse. But my sisters and brothers had already seen it and they didn't want to watch it with me. So they all left me to watch it alone. During the middle of the movie, my parents' radio was finally starting to annoy me because it played the old Hmong music. I sat there and thought to myself that it would be such a drag to get up and turn it off. So me just being me, I unplugged the plug and went back to watch my movie. Finally... The movie was ending and the credits were rolling. That's when I heard the radio playing my parents' station again, and I was like, crap, I thought I turned it off. And I remembered that I actually unplugged the radio, so it was impossible for it to be on. I froze in fear, and my eyes traveled down towards the outlet, and there lays the radio core unplugged. 
I flew out of the bedroom and my brother's room. I crashed into my bedroom, scaring the crap out of my big sister. I later told her what had happened, but I could tell that she didn't believe me. So I convinced myself that it was probably just the electricity malfunctioning of some sort. It was only after a half year later did I learn that our house used to be a domestic violence shelter. I finally made sense why the house had so many rooms. Though I couldn't find out whether anyone died there, I knew the negative energy was left behind. I truly believe that the house had something in there that liked to toy with people. A few years later, I did have another very disturbing experience with my baby sister at the time. It was the summer of 2008. My baby sister, May, had just turned two, and my parents were out of town. She had fallen asleep, and I settled her down in her crib, telling my brother to keep her ears on her as I tended my mother's garden. I was outside clearing weeds out of the garden when I heard a light, faint baby cry. It went on for a good two minutes before I finally walked inside, ready to yell at my brother for not caring for my baby sister. But I stopped myself because there she was, still fast asleep weird. So I headed back outside of the garden. Ten minutes later, the same faint baby cry. This time I ran inside right away, and my baby sister was still asleep. I still couldn't explain that experience, only that it still freaks me out. That is a freaky story. And speaking of environments that would likely have a haunting to them, I can see a domestic violence shelter having one with all the negative energy. I guess it kind of answers the question we talked about earlier at the beginning of the show. If there's an area that's surrounded by negativity, you know, can that, can that fester and plague the living as well as the dead? I could see so. And some anger, well, a domestic violence shelter could be a positive place. Yes, in theory, because it's, it's helping people escape horrible situations, but still, it's so recent and so close to where that negativity was going on in someone's life that it's still very much real and very much a part of those those individuals' lives who have to flee to such a place. Let's go to another letter. This one comes to us from Keeley. Keeley writes in, Hey, Tony, first off, let me say thanks for reading my letter on the show. You asked if the ghost that lives in my family home was evil. I take it Keeley wrote in a previous letter to us. The answer is no. They seem to be affected by changes within the home. When I was young, we did a lot of work painting and redoing the bathroom and the bedrooms. We basically redid the entire second floor of the house. My Boston Terrier, the only dog that we had at the time, would plan would play rather with an unseen dog playing snarling and shaking his butt and jumping around having a blast with the dog we couldn't see my mother had seen a translucent white dog in the basement when doing wash in my teens i moved to north carolina for a few years the day before i left an old friend of mine and stayed the night she was a very christian person and didn't believe in ghosts until one of our ghosts mysteriously dumped crayons all over the living room floor while they were in the center of the coffee table. Recently, my sister was home alone one night while my father was at work and my mother and I were out of town. This was a new experience for her. When mom and I returned home, she informed us that she had seen a male ghost 
We must often, we often see at night. She decided that he was looking after her. That's the end of that letter. That's, that's interesting. When you come to peace with a ghost and you just decide, well, you're here for a good reason. I'm not going to be freaked out anymore. I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't know, even, even a good ghost, if I'd ever really be completely at peace with it. Could you do that? Could you come to terms and be at peace with a paranormal entity in your home? Could you go, oh, okay. Even, especially, you hear that with bad ones. That was something that we talked with Andrea Perrin about, um, who uh, was part of the family that the movie The Conjuring was based around in her books, House of Darkness, House of Light. They had a lot of negative, weird things going on in that home, but a lot of them made peace with it, and they stayed there for so many years. I guess I could kind of understand making peace with a positive entity, but the negative ones, I don't know how you ever truly do that. Here's another letter that was written into us. Hi, Tony. My name is Jill, and I've attached a photo to this email to go along with my ghost story. I used to work at a funeral home when I was in college. It was my favorite job. My boss was the greatest boss I've ever had, and the people who worked there were the best. In fact, I'm still friends with many of them to this day. Anyways, the family of funeral directors owned several funeral homes in the area, but I worked in the location near my hometown as a secretary. Part of my job was to take calls, make memorial cards, and of course, guard against zombie attack. I joke, but there was a strange feeling about the building, which was totally unlike any of the other funeral homes they owned. For example, even though I was alone most of the day, I would hear noises in the building. I would tell myself it was just the foundation settling, etc. But it was a fairly new building. In fact, before it was a funeral home, it used to be an insurance office. Now I know some insurance agents may be a little creepy, but there's no way that this could have been the reason for the overall feeling of that place. However, I will say that although the place was creepy, I also felt safe there. Like whatever was going on wasn't going to hurt or even try to scare me. It was like just hanging out in the background. Anyways, in this one particular instance, two of the funeral directors and myself were hanging out in the office, which, by the way, share a wall with the embalming room. Kevin and I were were messing around with the computer. We always seem to have computer problems. Well, Danny was playing around with his new camera. When he printed the photo, he noticed something that shouldn't be there. Coming out of the wall is what looks like a smoky figure of an arm. Considering that on the other side of the wall was a place where bodies were being prepared. I wonder if somehow a spirit was telling us they didn't like being pushed up next to the wall and needed some space. I have more stories that I hope to share in the future. Speaking of sharing, I've shared your YouTube channel. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I love your show and look forward to receiving that bonus episode. And I did indeed uh, send them the bonus episode. And if you'd like a bonus episode, all you have to do is share the show. Just take the link to the show, the iTunes link, the YouTube link, the Stitcher link, wherever you listen. Share it with your friends on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest, wherever. Send me a screenshot of that to Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And I will email you a link to a bonus episode 
of our program as a thank you uh, for uh, helping other folks find our show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. I want to pull up that picture right now and see if I can get a better look at that. Here they are. Here's those pictures. Oh, yeah, you do see it. It almost, you can see this white apparition that appears almost like a large orb, if you will, but not quite. It is translucent. It is, it's maybe not orb, maybe more smoky figured. I would say more of a smoky hand that looks like it's coming out of the wall. That is very, very creepy. We'll post that picture up on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online with this episode. So if you want to see that, go to Real Ghost Stories Online and click on our episode. And uh, you can see that for yourself. Interesting. Hmm. Ghosts in the morgue. Maybe I stand corrected. We have two morgue stories today that appear to have a lot of activity going on in them. Let's get another letter. This one comes to us from Sheena. Sheena writes into us at realghoststoriesonline.com. Hello, sir. First of all, I love the show. My name is Sheena Dixon. Since I can remember, I've had occurrence after occurrence with the supernatural. When I was younger, I didn't know the things I experienced were considered paranormal. To me, it was normal. Except for the fact that every time I told someone about something going on, I got in some sort of trouble. Everything I'm about to tell you is the truth, as I know and sought. Believe me or not, it happened. My first truly bone-chilling experience. The not-so-nice entity happened to me over the period of three days and nights when I was in first grade. As a child, I loved art, animal, and nature. I had not much interest in making friends with other kids. When I would try, they eventually called me weird. I later found out I had an IQ of a 180 by the second grade, probably preventing me from making friends with the other kids. In any case, one day I sat alone in the track field at lunch break making a daisy chain. For some reason, I decided to try to talk to God like my grandma told me about in church. I don't remember what I said before I knew it. The bell rang to line up to go back inside. As I stood up, I heard my name whispering, oh, my name whispered in my ear, Sheena. I sprung to my heel. There was nobody behind me, except the far end of the field. The other side of the chain link fence was a man in black. The man in black. You mean Johnny Cash? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Johnny Cash uh, came to me at recess one day. He had on black slacks, a black trench coat, shiny black shoes, and a large black rim hat. He had no face, no face at all, only blackness. I heard my name, clear as if he was next to me. I turned and ran the whole way back to my line to get back in the classroom. The next day after school, I was walking under the covered walkway towards the street to go home. The halls cleared up pretty fast and I was left alone to walk. I was almost at the end of the hallway when I heard my name loud and clear, Sheena. 
I looked over my shoulder, and there at the opposite end of the hall where I'd just come from was the man in black. He was so close, I saw the light bounce off his shoes. Still, he had absolutely no face, just blackness. I ran. I was upset when I got home, but I didn't want to scare my mom, so I said nothing. The next morning, we were late getting to school, even though we lived across the street. I was embarrassed that I had gotten a late slip from the office. As I crossed the street to school and approached the office, I heard my name just as loud again. Sheena! I looked up and closer than ever, there he is, the face, the faceless man in black, standing on the awning of the school, maybe 12 feet vertical above my head in total. I ran into the office sobbing. The desk lady, who was usually so mean whenever I was late, looked concerned and asked me what was wrong. I told her the man in black was following me. Alarmed, she asked me to show her. I took her outside and pointed her to the roof. He was right there, and I said, Do you see him now? They asked, No. I said, He's gone. She took me inside and gave me a whole can of soda and some crackers. Before I knew it, what I thought were nice ladies came to talk to me and asked all about the man in black. I told them everything. Before I knew it, my mom showed up, and it looked like she had been crying. Make sure you get her there, one lady said to my mom. Oh, we're on our way now, she said. In the car ride, my mom was mad. She told me the people thought I was being abused, and she had to take me to get evaluated. She cried the whole way there. When we got to this place, they did all sorts of tests on me and with me. Eventually, they let me go and told my mom I had a very good imagination due to my high IQ they had found. But when they asked me about the man in black, I was smart enough to tell them I lied for attention. I didn't. That night, my mom got me ice cream, and we went to bed. I woke to a loud tapping on my bedroom window. We lived in a tiny apartment, and my bedroom window was connected to our tiny patio. To my horror, he was there the other side of my window, less than a few feet away from me. He still had no face and no mouth, but I heard almost within myself him, let me in. I said no. He asked me twice more, each time more aggressive. He somehow knew if he wanted, he could be in my room. He didn't need my permission, for that it was clear. I was afraid, but he was asking to let me in. I screamed, no, you can never come in. And he burst into flecks like flies and disappeared into the night. The next day, I saw my uncle and told him the whole thing. He bought me a ruby red troll doll and told me that if I ever saw him again to rub the gem in T's tummy, the troll, he'd go away. Luck for me, I never saw him again. It was until a couple years ago I was showing my art at a local art shop. My boyfriend was taking pictures of the event. During one of the pictures... But the fire dances he took, you can see clearly. Bottom half of him were running by. You can see his shiny black shoes, his slacks at the bottom of his trench coat. There's no top half of him at all in the pic. And even the other people who are blurred, you can see all of. My boyfriend is new at photography, but when he saw the pic, he almost deleted it. It freaked him out so much. He's heard my stories. I don't think he was there for me. He was never a kind of disturbed bunch of art. 
I'll send you the picture as well. Thank you for your time. Sorry this is so long, but I had to tell it. The Man in Black, the original Shadow Man. The devil? You decide. Very interesting story. And the fact that he showed up around negative-themed art. Again, kind of makes you wonder. Does negative breed negative when it comes to things like this? You really do have to wonder. I would love to see that picture if you would like to send it to me. Uh, we will, of course, post it on the website uh, if you can send it to us. Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you have a real ghost story, please send that to us as well. Uh, you can send it to us. Just go to our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and write in. We would love to hear your real ghost story. And, of course, please do share the show. Wherever you share it, uh, whether it be an iTunes link, a Stitcher link, a YouTube link, uh, send us uh, a picture, a screenshot of that. We share it on uh, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, wherever, and I'll send you a link to that bonus episode. Uh, of course, do comment as well, especially on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot. Give us some of those reviews. That helps us grow. That helps other folks find the show. And that uh, helps us get more real ghost stories to share with you every single week. So until next time, from realghoststoriesonline.com, I'm Tony Bursky. Thanks for listening.